0: David, we had planned to discuss what Congress needs to do before they recess for the November elections and then what's likely to happen in a lame duck session. I think a lot of our discussion now has been altered by the death of um, Supreme Court Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And so I thought I'd start there. Just sort of walk us through the the next couple of months. So, it, you know, this is the end of September you know, what are October, November, December going to look like from a sort of the perspective of the congressional calendar?
1: Well, it, it, it is a little unfortunate that with the passing of such an amazing individual, um, we have to go into kind of really bare knuckle politics uh, with what's going to happen over the, re- the remaining amount of time between now and the end of the year and now and the, the election as well. Um so I just wanna say that because she was she did make an amazing contribution to this country. Um and I know you feel the same way.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I think your point's well taken. You know, I've been reading a lot about um some of the you know, her legacy, her, her her legal legacy starting with, you know, as an attorney and then on the Supreme Court and um but as you said, we have to we really do have to think about now we're in this bare knuckles politics um part of the
1: discussion and it'll be interesting to see what happens the litany of amazing accomplishments of Ruth Bader Ginsburg is quite long um but uh, and so by being such an amazing force um her passing is also an amazing force um and there's going to be a lot happening between now and the election and now and the end of the year and it, it there's no way to get around the fact that her passing leaving that spot open on the supreme court is going to impact it greatly so let's start with the fiscal year, because you and I both know, many listeners know, the federal government does a fiscal year from October 1 until the end of September, and we are set to run out of money at, at the end of September.
0: You know, it's interesting. I've I, I been curious as to why the, the federal calendar, the fiscal year, starts on October 1st, and what I've learned is that it used to be on a July to June calendar, but then in the 70s, because they were having trouble getting all the appropriations bills done and just, you know, the, it was such a rushed six months, they extended it a, a quarter to start on October 1st, and then that allowed them more time. Um, as we both know now, that's become a challenge. So it's just sort of interesting how, um, you know, we we try to make these adjustments to approve how the processes work, and, and if anything, I think they get more
1: encumbered, not less. It, it does seem to work that way, um, and you know, it used to be even when they made that change uh, in, in the seventies, they were still producing um, you know a set of, of packages, you know, separate appropriations bills, and those appropriations bills would be done individually for each kind of major segment of of the of the budget between defense and health and human services and department of labor um and that is not has not happened this year the house has produced uh, almost in a complete set but uh the senate has not taken up any of those bills um so right now uh there has to be a continuing resolution of some type uh, to be able to get us through uh the coming months without the government completely shutting down We've all seen the government shut down and it's not a pretty situation as as we all know. And with the politics of this year, I don't think either party wants to be blamed with shutting the government down. Uh, so something's got to happen. It's going to happen fast. The question is now, and it's turned, this question has turned in in the last couple of weeks. The question is, do you extend just until mid December and come back with a lame duck session, or do you try to get an extension? until sometime in February or March of 2021 so that you don't have to have a lame duck session. Um The common thinking amongst uh, a lot of people in town was that the Democrats wanted the lame duck session so they could come back and really kind of get everything taken care of with the idea that should they take over the Senate, should they take over the White House, that those changes would be able to, to move forward, the people would be able to move forward and make uh, new policies very quickly. Um, so now, of course, Democrats are not very anxious to have a lame duck session because that will probably be when um, the Republicans bring a, a, a President Trump nomination to the Supreme Court up for a vote. So um, although that that remains also whether or not they would wait that long.
0: One of the, the sort of calculation that you're laying out for us is... Um if you fill the seat before the election, you may lessen the chance that the president is reelected. But if you delay and say, okay, if you know we're gonna handle it in a lame duck, um, implying that that it would be sort of contingent on the election, recognizing that it doesn't have to be, um, you run the risk of there not being a lame duck or that you, you no longer have, you know you've lost this one important seat in the in the Senate. So that is a lot to to juggle. And the, the other thing too that I, th- I think is important is that there are always unexpected losses um, in in both the House and the Senate. I can't imagine I can't remember an election where that hasn't happened. And so you could have in a lame duck session members who expected to be reelected who weren't that are just in just a different perspective for whatever reason and how they may behave. Um, So I think that's another sort of variable here you have to take into consideration as you're thinking through you know, the political situation.
1: Uh, Mitch McConnell has been known to be a very shrewd strategist uh, at playing his his hand in the United States Senate. So we shall see how that works, um, because he also has to deal with something. And Nancy Pelosi, as Speaker of the House, has to deal with something that is also not going away. And that is something you and I have been talking about in the last couple of days is um, it's still as, as much as there's no real pros- prospect on coming forward at the moment, there's still a lot of pressure to get a new COVID-19 relief package passed.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that for a second because I think it, it's, it's a perfect um, segue from our previous topic and it's interesting because because I would argue that um, a lot of the likelihood of the president being reelected or the Republicans maintaining control of the Senate is going to depend on the economy and if the economy continues to move in the direction that it's been moving over the last few weeks um, which has been more robust than I think people expected then you could see a scenario where, both um, the president's reelected and the Senate's, and the Republicans hold the Senate. Um, but I also, my understanding, and again, I'm not an economist, is that there needs to be another sort of round of stimulus funding to, to sort of fuel that engine. Um, so I'm just sort of wondering as to what you think is likely to happen with any sort of um, COVID-19 relief package.
1: Well, you know, we just recently had a bipartisan group called the Problem Solver Caucus in in the House. Uh, come up with a COVID-19 package that was uh, the, the caucus was 25 uh, Republicans, 25 Democrats. Um, there are a lot of people uh, who are on both sides of the aisle who are vulnerable if something does not happen in terms of a COVID package. Um, <clears throat> so while the economy has turned out to be a bit more uh, robust than maybe some of them thought it was going to be, uh, it's it's still not. It's still not in great shape. And state and local governments are really, 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 um, hurting. And schools are really, really hurting. Um, and also there's going to be, I mean, look at the, the, the airlines want a bailout package because they're looking at if, if the payroll support doesn't end, they're looking at starting October, which is massive layoffs. Um, and I'm not saying that to provide any sympathy for the airlines. So I'm just, Say there's this, there's a lot here that's at stake, and it can get a lot worse a lot faster than some people, I think, are probably really getting a look at. So I think we could end up with um, a situation where we go into the early part of October, and it is like, okay, um, it just all of a sudden got much worse, and uh, there's a really a big need for something to happen. Yeah,
0: and it's interesting too because because while I said the economy is more robust than people thought, it, you're right. It certainly isn't even close to robust. And you know the recent data around you, know, you mentioned the airlines and the recent data that it looks like there are a number of cases of COVID nineteen as a result of people flying. In addition, you know there's new data that an increasing number of Americans, um, in, in regardless of a political affiliation, um, are not interested or are concerned or want to wait on a vaccine in terms of taking the vaccine. So there may be real delays in vaccinating the population. um, It just seems like those two factors together would push the economy in a negative direction. And then, you know, just going back to the comment about the discussion around the Supreme Court, I mean, right now it's a, it's an eight member court. And, and so while it's, it's a five, three, Majority in terms of the conservatives compared to the, the more liberal leaning um, justices, um, Justice Roberts has tended to side with um, the the more liberal side on a number of issues. So let's say there's there's um, confusion in terms of the results of the election, and that goes to the courts, and then you add a second sort of factor, which is you know the the anticipated spike, and it's already cases in the U.S. are spiking and um, in Europe, and so that seems likely, and and. Um, and then, you know, those two together probably would result in if there's no package, um, then it's likely the economy is going to really be in a, in a difficult place. There could be a lot that happens over the next couple of weeks.
1: Well, let me jump in there, Todd, for a second, if you don't mind, um, because there's you, you're absolutely right on target. There's a lot happening there that just can cycle out of effect. But I, I, there's an interesting one that I think is kind of like, well, that's interesting right now the supreme court is scheduled to hear the oral arguments on california versus texas which was the old is the new name of the case which was texas versus united states which is the one in which the federal judge in, in um, texas declared that the uh, affordable care act was unconstitutional now that the individual mandate had which was what the supreme court had originally hung its hat on as a taxing provision which made the requirements constitutional and now that taxing provision and penalty are no longer there. so um, that is they are literally scheduled to hear those arguments a week after the election. Um, so I, I I find it hard to imagine that they are going to be occurred or could occur as scheduled um, and I also do I do think there's a good chance that they are going to be involved like you said uh, in whatever comes out. Of this election, as they were in two thousand.
0: Yeah, and my understanding is that if the court um, is four to four, if they if it's if it's even, then the lower court ruling would stand, which means that
1: that part of the ACA would be overturned. Well, remember, I mean, the one thing that's a little confusing is that the fifth district um, uh, of the fifth district of the, the appellate courts for the fifth, fifth district um, in December. 2019, did support uh, the basic finding of that judge in Texas. However, they asked the judge to revisit the case and look at the issue of severability, which you and I know is when the court determines whether something can be taken out of a law and the rest of the law still stand. Um, and that's really kind of the question about how you read this is whether or not severability comes along and and saves some pieces of it, but it's really beginning to be kind of a, 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 a real long shot uh, at that point.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I'm trying to balance all this and, and sort of think about what has to happen and what could happen. So um, if, if we set everything happening with the Supreme Court aside for a second, and, and recognize that it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to sort of predict how things are going to play out. And I think you make a really good point, which is, um, you know, traditionally um, the, the court starts their session on the first Monday of October. Um, you know, they, I could see them delaying that a little bit or, or, or being, a little, you know, having, you know, some sort of tribute to, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and just, it's just it's hard to predict what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks and then we look at the fact that the the fiscal year is going to end on September 30th and they they need to um pass a continuing resolution at the very least or the government is shut down and do you really want to shut down the government during a pandemic um and 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 so close to the election and and so we talked about before it's all the members of the house are up for re-election one-third of the senate and and the president so it's it's obviously you know a lot of it's at stake there and what the members want is for the term you know they want to go into recess sooner rather than later so they can get back home and campaign um and then there's um the issues around um the The relief package, um, so so they have to do the continuing resolution. We'd argue they they should do something related to a COVID nineteen relief. And then in terms of the court, um, that could go in a lot of different directions in terms of, of both w- the court's day to day work, but then also um, identifying a successor for RBG. I, I guess my question to you is: There anything else that's sort of on the on the the list that? congress may
1: or must do i don't think there's anything else that they must do there's a great deal they probably should do but um like you said there are those who want to get home and campaign and i think there are also a fair number who would not mind staying in washington and doing more work which they actually think probably would sit better with the voters than just seeing them campaigning when so many things are unresolved, um, and and you talked about earlier about the distrust and concern about the safety of the vaccine, I, I don't I don't want to underestimate the impact of things like that. I mean, those are things in, in which the electorate, the voters, are really feeling uncomfortable with the way things are going, and so um, we shall see. And and how to make them happy is not something that. Uh, I want to necessarily figure out. I want Congress to figure out what they actually need to do, which is, in my opinion, they do need another relief bill, um, and they do need a, a reasonably balanced continuing resolution to get us through the end of this year and then put their question of the Supreme Court uh, out clearly and let it stand or fall independently without it being a part of these other financial pressures. Um, that's what I would like to see.
0: Well, David, the, the next couple of weeks are, are going to be fascinating. And, you know, you mentioned 2020, and, and I think it's fair to say that it's it's hard not to anticipate that other at least one other major um, surprise is coming. Um, I won't put you on the spot um, today to, to make a prediction as to what that could be, but I do think that's a part of this, that, that – um, it, it just seems like every time we have a feel for how this year is going to go, something changes very dramatically and and increases the level of chaos, but also makes it harder to anticipate. You know where things are going to go as, as we move forward. Um, so I'm just sort of curious as to if that's your sense as well, and and you know what advice would you have for um, anyone listening to this podcast as they're they're trying to think about the next couple of months.
1: Well. First of all, I think that the sales of the sale of, um, and assets is going to continue to increase over the coming weeks. Uh, I know it will for me. Um, there's a lot of heartburn associated with what's going on, uh, for a lot of people. And there's also some real pain for a lot of Americans out there. Um, I think that the most important thing to do is to really step back and be a participant in this democracy but not let all of the anger and all of the frustration overtake you. And it really, um, it really, I think, is very important for all of us to remember that this is a long, 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 multi-century project called democracy. And we need to stay with it, and we need to stay calm, and we need to really do what needs to be done for the sake of the nation and also for the health of everyone involved during this pandemic. Well,
0: you have my vote. Um, thanks, David.
1: Thank you, Todd.